Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on Internet Land and Socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Good for you for choosing this podcast. This is the place to be. That's a good decision. Don't even think about changing to another podcast. I see you fidgeting over there. This is the one. This is the guy. Now enjoy yourself. You deserve it. (laughs) Oh, man. Gotta keep it light. Gotta keep it light. You know what they say. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And that's what we're doing today, because we're going to get a little heavy here on the Living Artist Podcast. You know what? That's horrible advice to give to kids, a spoonful of sugar. Why not just tell them two packs of cigarettes help the medicine go down? Two packs of cigarettes help the medicine go down. Anyway, today we are going to talk about hope which is the antithesis of depression and despair, in my opinion. Hope is essential for human survival and is even of heightened importance for an artist. If someone is suffering from a lack of hope, which many times can stem from a feeling of lack of purpose, it's so easy to sink into the depths of depression. So you might think, well, artists have a strong sense of purpose in life. Therefore, they should not suffer from depression. But this is flawed in the sense that Finding your own purpose as an artist in our society can both be a blessing and a curse. I'll explain a little bit more about what I mean. I want to start by saying that I'm so grateful to be doing what I'm doing every day for a living now. Getting up each morning to be able to create my art and then get it out into the world is amazing. It fuels me in every aspect of my life and every day, and I'm thrilled to be able to realize this side of myself on a day-to-day basis. So what then do I mean by it being a blessing and a curse? Well, It wasn't always like this for me. For 16 to 17 years of my life, after graduating from school, and even back in my school days, there was this heaviness of despair, of not knowing how to actualize my passion and purpose of being an artist in the world. So purpose is really only one side of the equation. It almost felt like for all those years waiting tables and struggling through poverty, knowing what I wanted to do with my life and not being able to achieve it was some sort of cruel joke. And I felt the weight of this on my shoulders as I aged dragging myself to my hated and draining job every day, not being able to see a clear path to a way out. I would have these momentary bursts of elation, most often when I was creating or drinking, where I could see my success as an artist so clearly. By this I mean that I could see the success part so clearly. Me living in a nice home with a big studio, showing my work in a blue chip gallery, and traveling the world to expose my work to other countries. This was beautiful. But then this was immediately followed, both literally and figuratively, by the sobering and crushing realization that I didn't know how to connect the dots. 
to get from here to there. It felt so far away. In reality, I was scraping by, making around eighteen dollars to $20,000 a year in Los Angeles, no less, living in a 500-square-foot studio apartment where I had to build up and break down my painting space each time I wanted to create a new painting and getting further into credit card debt every day, just so I could afford materials to do what I felt like I was put on this earth to do. Then there was the drinking. I realized plainly now that the drinking was self-medicating. It was getting me through my nights and providing me with these hard-fought moments of creativity and optimism. But the next day, completely exacerbating the sense of despair and hopelessness. It felt like I was breaking my day down into manageable chunks of time, where instead of focusing on my shitty circumstances, I had the immediate problem that I had to deal with of getting over my hangover and just getting through the day and my work shift so I could rinse and repeat that night after my job or painting session. In a very bizarre way, this numbing helped me to survive. For a while, at least. Talk about a routine that was not sustainable. I mean, here I was painting every week, running out of space, getting into about five or six exhibitions a year, selling about four to six paintings per year at about 300 to 500 bucks a pop, submitting to grant programs and such. And this was back in the slide days, for those of you who remember that whole rigmarole. All the while, not feeling like I was any closer to being a successful artist. I felt like I was starting to look good on paper. But what does that matter when you can't afford groceries or to take someone out on a date? Most of my time was relegated to isolation, which I thrived on for my creativity, but was not good long-term for my health. That's one thing that I was extremely thankful for with my restaurant job. I made some of my best friends in LA working at restaurants, and even my wife. So for that, I'm eternally grateful. Everything else, though, was banging my head up against the wall and falling deeper and deeper into a state of despair, where I almost began to accept that this just was my life. Knowing exactly what I wanted to do, being good at it, and not being able to make a living. Hence the cruel joke of being an artist, and it being a blessing and a curse from my perspective at the time. Here I was, well on my way to the proverbial 10 years or 10,000 hours of mastery, and I didn't seem to be making much headway. Later on, I remember desperately trying other gigs and career paths to see if they stuck, but I only came away from each of these being reinforced by the reality that art was what I had to do, and dropping it for something else would be akin to giving up myself, my identity, or even death. Not to sound overly dramatic, but that was the existential crisis I felt I was living in every moment of every day at the time. I have a feeling that many of you artists can relate, at least at some point in the course of your art career. What was worse, and I'll explain this, I started to get some good gigs after about seven years. I know what you're thinking. Good gigs? How could that be bad? And you're right, they weren't bad. In fact, they are some of my proudest achievements as an artist, even to this day. The problem was that I didn't know how to build on them. So they became little teases of success. Between 2008 and 2009, I had worked my butt off in the art world and had been lucky enough to get, or manifest, however you want to see it, two amazing gigs. One was a live painting performance, booth, and a live auction at the Key Club in Hollywood for the David Lynch Foundation. Not only that, I was one of two artists who auctioned a piece of artwork, my original painting of David Lynch, alongside Mr. David Lynch himself, on stage, and it sold. I didn't receive any money from that sale, but I thought, hot damn, I'm getting somewhere. It was an amazing experience. Then, in early 2009, one of my best friends exposed me to another friend who was working for a firm that was putting on the inaugural Purple Ball, one of 13 balls that would take place on President Barack Obama's inauguration day in Washington, D.C. This friend had had an issue with another artist and was in a bind. 
He found my work through my good friend and loved it, so he gave me the gig. The only kicker was that I would have to create 12 identical paintings of the president and have them dry enough to ship to D.C. in three weeks' time while I was working at my restaurant job. I obviously said, yes, I can do it, and then I didn't sleep for the next three weeks, painting every single moment that I was not working. It was a blur, and paintings were drying all over my apartment under fans, but I managed to get it done. Before I knew it, me, my friend, and his now wife were on our way to Washington, D.C. to attend the inaugural Purple Ball, where my paintings would be distributed to celebrities attending the event, such as Ed Harris, who was a hero of mine. I must have watched Pollock like 30 times up until that point. Ashley Judd, Josh Lucas, Patricia Arquette, Amy Brenneman, Amy Madigan, Il Devo, and a few others. It was even rumored that Oprah might be doing a behind-the-scenes that would feature my art, and I would potentially be able to shake the hand of the president. Well, these last two things didn't happen, but I got to meet and have lengthy conversations with many of these stars, including Ed Harris, Amy Madigan, Amy Brenneman, and Josh Lucas, and they all received my paintings. I thought, man, I've made it. This is it for me. I had an interview article set up with my local paper and everything. It was an amazing night and experience. And then I came home. I started to realize that I had no idea how to take advantage of this experience. I couldn't afford a publicist. I didn't know how to promote myself. Remember, we really only had MySpace at the time. And by the time a friend of mine offered to and had written me a press release, which I had no idea what that was at the time, everything was starting to cool down for me. Some press were interested, but they only wanted to interview me if I had something else big in the works, which at the time I didn't. My local paper interview came out and then went, and I was back to business as usual, waiting tables and painting in my studio. Back to square one. I had no idea, resources, or connections at my disposal to take advantage of these two amazing events, and they began to fade away. They were an amazing achievement for me and a great story, but I felt as if it was a momentary dream and then I was back to reality. This reality set back in and I began to feel worse and worse, like I'd missed my only opportunity at success as an artist. What a bummer. Oh, the things I would do with this information now, on social media and beyond. Man, oh man. Anyway, the window closed so quickly, and I was back to my impoverished life, in debt, and even more morally bankrupt than before. It was like the saying, be careful what you wish for, but really... It was like getting a taste of what was possible and then the next moment having it yanked out from under me. My hope was extinguished and I sank even deeper into a sense of despair. I'm sure it sounds to many of you like I'm complaining or that I missed the boat. And you're right, I did. But I just didn't have the tools, mindset, or belief in myself at the time to capitalize on it all. I didn't even know what a scenario like this looked like at the time. No model to emulate. So that was that. It was my story and I believed every ounce of it. It crippled my hope, and I started to lose my confidence, as well as continuing with my bad and numbing habits. It took me six more years to climb out of this dark hole and shake off the cobwebs. This podcast is meant to be a safe place for artists and creatives, and this is why I share my story, because I know you can relate to these feelings. So, what was the catalyst that helped me turn the corner and get to where I am now? It's not just one thing, but a series of events and little wins that started to stack up on top of each other. First was my shift in mindset and spiritual focus. I say spiritual because it is vague, but it was through a period of self-exploration that the foundation was laid. I started to realize that these events that had backfired or fizzled really hadn't backfired or fizzled. They just were what they were. Wonderful events and achievements in their own right. Could I have done more with them? Sure. 
Oh, yeah, if you're Ray Donovan. But I was doing the best I could with the tools I had and the person I was at the time. I know now that I still benefit from these in a myriad of ways. I didn't skyrocket to superstardom overnight, but you know what? Looking back on it all now, if I had, I could have been dead by now. I would not have known how to handle success at that point in my life and career. And I had so much else to deal with personally in order to get myself to a healthy vantage point. Also, these circumstances were just that. Circumstances. I don't believe in circumstantial happiness, or at least that it is a paradigm to live by. If you're always waiting on circumstances to make you happy, you will always and eventually be disappointed. That's just how we are as humans, and especially as artists, constantly looking for the next thing. So I began to work on being happy regardless of what my circumstances were, and to not take myself so seriously. The moment these two concepts really began to sink in, my waiting tables job became a breeze. I was the Zen master. People who used to come in and cause me mental anguish no longer could feed on my existential pain. There was nothing there to feed on. I was just the joking, peaceful person that I am at heart, and each shift became a thousand times lighter. Also, I quit drinking and started to feel all the emotions that had been suppressed, as well as the compassion for myself that had been stifled over the years and better part of two decades. We can talk more about that on another day. All of a sudden, the dreams of finally quitting my job with a dramatic fuck you to all the problem customers I'd put up with over the years no longer seemed necessary and even took on a feeling of meanness to me. It was no longer justified because I was no longer suffering. When I did eventually quit my job, I did it peacefully, with grace and even with a sad nostalgia for what I'd grown to learn about myself throughout the process of working there. The manager was sad to see me go and told me that there would always be a place for me there should I choose to come back. This was the beginning of my journey of being a full-time artist, and it never would have happened had I not worked on myself first. The culmination of all this was that my hope was restored and my sense of purpose was reinvigorated. By working on these intangibles, my art began to shift as my happiness accelerated, opportunities opened up, and I began to see them in new areas that I hadn't before. Sales started to pour in more regularly, and I began to see all of the necessary steps needed to sustain my art practice. The dots were starting to connect finally. So hope, just like happiness, is not circumstantial. It needs to be exercised and explored within. By working on ourselves first, alongside our artistic practice, we are building a mindset of hope, purpose, and happiness that is bulletproof. Our consciousness expands along with our perspective of the world. Suddenly, anything becomes possible. If you can see it, you can make it happen. Hope itself begins to evolve into limitless potential. No longer do we just have to hope that something can be achieved. Instead, it is replaced by unshakable knowing and belief that it can and will, backed by a series of new results. This is where the magic starts to happen. So how can you get going and build momentum from a place of depression to hope and then finally to results? In my opinion, it starts with silencing your harshest critic out there, yourself and your steady stream of negative self-talk. This can only be achieved by first realizing that this self-talk is happening, and then starting to be able to witness it. Only by taking a step back and seeing the naysayer in your own head at work can you start to make some changes. Meditation helps, big time. It helps to train yourself to quiet the brain, to witness these thoughts in a non-judgmental manner as they pop up, and they will constantly at first, and then just letting them go and focusing back on your breath. This is a great starting point. 
Another major influence on me at the time that helped me become gentler with myself and to silence the inner asshole was Eckhart Tolle. You can YouTube him as he's all over the internet. Watch a couple of his sessions and see if he resonates with you. I would highly recommend two of his books as well, The Power of Now and my personal favorite, A New Earth. These can be powerful building blocks to get you out of your head and into the present moment where everything of value occurs. On the other hand, if you're looking for a kick in the ass or a shot of adrenaline to get you out of your seat and into the world of doing, pick up or listen to Grant Cardone's book, The 10X Rule, or listen to some Tony Robbins. If it's the latter, pay special attention to his work with neuroassociations and how you can learn to interrupt your negative and self-sabotaging patterns as they are playing out. Both of these sources help put you in the driver's seat of your own life and give you momentum and motivation to start making things happen. Obviously, you can keep listening to this podcast too. I will be sharing with you not only my insights, but the insights of countless other working artists making it happen right now in the art world. So start with yourself. Make some dietary changes. If you're eating fast food every day, chain smoking, or diving to the bottom of a bottle of Jack Daniels on the reg, you might want to stop doing this as it only feeds your negative thoughts, depression, and robs you of the energy and life force that you need to make your art and career happen. Lastly, force some action. I shared in my recent interview episode on this podcast that as an embarrassed kid in school, I got so frustrated by my debilitating shyness that I began to force myself to be the first in class to raise my hand and answer a question. This was difficult as hell at first, but it started to grow my confidence with each class and each question. And slowly but surely, the embarrassment started to disappear. Apply this to your art career. Afraid to approach or submit to galleries? Well, force yourself to submit to three first thing Monday morning at the beginning of each week. Then you can relax and get back to work and what you are comfortable with. Change and results won't come immediately, but do this for a few months to a year and you will start to see some wins stacking up. Then it won't just be Monday that you're doing it. It might be three times a week. Now you've got some momentum. Now you are turning hope into progress. All right, this is a good starting point. I look forward to bouncing more ideas off of you in episodes to come. If this is your first episode of the Living Artist Podcast, go back and check out episode one and start catching up. There's some good stuff in there. Let's get some momentum going together. As always, thanks so much for listening. I will catch you on the flip side. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.